Screen Time with John Fardy. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Screen Time. I'm John Fardy and this is News Talk's TV and movie show. This week on the show, Dutch director Helena Wren on her spooky new horror comedy, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Mark Ryle has all the week's new releases, including See How They Run and the new David Cronenberg movie. Plus musician Luanne Parle on her favourite movie. I'm open on Twitter, John underscore Fardy, or you can email me, screentime at newstalk.com. This show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5pm on newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. And it's on the radio every Saturday at 6pm right here on Newstalk. Good weekend to you all. Hope you're doing well as autumn officially begins. Nice time of year. I love the summer, but there is something nice about, you know, the uh, evenings drawing in and all that kind of stuff. Maybe we're not quite there yet. I don't put on the, we, we have a fire that we like to light, but I kind of refuse to light it, certainly until well into October. But there was a particularly rainy morning this week that I uh, felt like putting on the fire in the evening, but I didn't. I resisted trying to save the wood and all that. Come down off the cross. We can use the wood. So anyway, I'm rambling. I want to start this week with uh, something that was out a couple of weeks ago, but I greatly enjoyed it. I want to tell you about this. Yes, now that of course is one of the most successful pop songs of all time, Take On Me by AHA, the Norwegian band AHA. And there was a documentary, a movie about them called AHA, the movie, which was in cinemas. It got a small release a couple of weeks ago. And then lo and behold, it was on Sky Arts, I think it was this week or last week. And I've checked, it is rentable on YouTube and Google Play. I think it may still be up on the Skybox if you have one of those things. And what I really like about this is I've told you many times I'm a big music documentary fan. I just, it's kind of a comfort for me to watch documentaries about musicians. But this one is a bit different. Uh, This is great because, ah, I don't know how much you know about them. I was mildly acquainted with them. They're quite influential. And, you know, there was a lot more to them other than just that big hit. They had a whole load of albums and, you know, that Morton Harkin has a, the lead singer, a very ethereal voice, a beautiful voice, as I saw in this documentary. And they were huge. And then they, were less huge, but still maintained a presence. And people like Coldplay have cited them as an influence. But this documentary is fascinating for two reasons. One, they show you how they came together and how Take On Me, you know, they tried for so long to make that a hit because they really felt it was. And there was all these different versions of it. And then they became huge. Uh, I mean, you know, globe-trotting pop stars. I hadn't quite realized. And... The lead singer, Morton, was, you know, a beautiful looking young man, still is in many ways. And he was a pop god in the 80s. Uh, And bizarre things happened. There was one interview you see in this documentary where he's asked to take off his top by a female journalist. But what's really fascinating about this documentary is just how they really don't seem to like each other or have an incredibly complicated relationship, the three members of the band, to the point that they appear to be going to gigs in separate vehicles and barely speaking to each other. Uh, And you see some rehearsals and it's very, very tense. They got brilliant footage in it. So if you enjoy a good music documentary and you enjoy some (laughs) uncomfortable interactions between musicians. Aha, the movie is definitely for you. Fascinating stuff. Now, it was Disney Plus Day earlier in the week, which despite all the advertising seemed to pass me by. And there's a whole load of new stuff up there, which we'll talk about in coming weeks. The one I was really interested in is the new version of Pinocchio with Tom Hanks, which launched on Thursday this week, which I didn't watch yet. I'm sorry, I've had too much on and that's my job. However, my kids watched the first hour And my daughter, who's seven, really seemed to like it. Now, it's getting terrible reviews and they're making lots of jokes about wooden, but uh, my my daughter liked it. So from a seven-year-old, so far, so good. But but more of that next week. And going back to last week, people still in touch 
about Blackbird and how much they enjoyed Mark Ryle and to a lesser extent, my review of it. We're still shaking our heads a bit from it all. I'm wondering if that really happened, but uh, it did. It's still in the cinema. So uh, I would, I, like I said last week, check it out. Check it out. I, I, I think it's worth going to see in the cinema for possibly not the right reasons. You usually go to the cinema, but it's worth a watch, albeit for the wrong reasons. And then quickly, you know, we don't mention Irish TV possibly as often as we should. Their new autumn Sunday night drama, North Sea Connection, began this week. Uh, The first episode was on Sunday night at half nine. Pretty damn good, I have to say, about a female skipper out on the west coast of Ireland who thinks she's just picking up cigarettes when she's doing a small bit of dodgy dealing out when she's supposedly fishing. Turns out at one point she's picking up drugs for her brother and uh, all hell ensues. And it was pretty gripping drama. A touch of, you got the impression they were trying to be a bit Nordy or Scandy, if you know what I mean, like a noir from Sweden. There was a touch of that about it. So it was uh, it was good. And it ended on a point of, I think I'm going to watch this next week. So uh, yeah, North Sea Connection was good. I sound surprised I shouldn't. RT have a fine record in drama, but uh, I, I just thought maybe this was going to be a bit hackneyed, you know, a fishing boat in the West Coast that gets involved in a drug deal. But it was far from that. It was very entertaining and pretty gripping. So a considerable thumbs up for North Sea Connection on RT1 on Sunday nights at 9.30. If you've been watching that or you saw a Blackbird or... You're struggling with the autumn, or you love AHA, or you hate AHA, do get in touch with me. John underscore Fardy is my Twitter handle, or you can email me, screentime at newstalk.com. Now you're listening to Screen Time, News Talks TV and movie show. We turn to the week's new releases on the cinema, which this week on the cinema, in the cinema, who knows, somewhere on a screen near you in a large room. That's dark. This week, we're looking at See How They Run, a kind of crime caper from the 1950s set in London and the new David Cronenberg movie, Crimes of the Future. Mark Ryle has recovered just about from Blackbird last week, as I have myself, and he joins me now. Hello, Mark. Hey, you. So, uh, Blackbird, but a yeah. distant memory now. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to laugh. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so listen, oh. uh, two movies this week, one of which I've seen. The first one I haven't seen is See oh. How They Run, starring Sam Rockwell and her own Saoirse Ronan. What's happening in this? Good cast. It's um, it's set in 1953, uh, and Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap is celebrating its 100th performance. And in a nutshell, Adrian Brody plays Leo uh, Kopernik, and he's an obnoxious Hollywood director um, who's trying to turn The Mousetrap into a movie, and he has managed to alienate the entire cast and crew in the process. Um, he gets murdered early doors, it's not a spoiler, um, in a gruesome fashion, and then everyone is a suspect. And uh, as you say, Sam Rockwell is the inspector in charge of the investigation, and Saoirse Ronan is the novice who uh, constable who's assisting him. And it's just, it's an old-fashioned whodunit that I should have loved. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, so I'm sensing you didn't then. It's not... Uh, uh, well, okay. It's it's. This is a first feature from a writer called Mark Chapel and director uh, Tom George, and they both have a fair amount of TV credits under their belts, but no movie experience. And I'm sorry to say that it it kind of shows. Um, I don't know if you watched the trailer for this. I did, and I've, yeah. I've read a bit about it. And we it actually gave away it? we gave away tickets to the to a premiere screening of it. So there you go. Good, good, good. Yeah. Well, it's a, I think it's a case of great trailer, average movie. Um, the trailer is is fantastic, but it's it is writing checks that unfortunately the movie can't cash. And in all honesty, it's okay, and that's about it. Um, okay. And is a, it, is it not a great kind of slapdash whodunit? No, overall, the, the thing about the trailer, um, I'm sorry to keep on harping on it, but it is a really good trailer, but there's a vitality and there's a vigor there that's just not in the movie. And mm. um, the story is, it's, it's, it's oddly lifeless and it kind of just sleepwalks to its conclusion. But the, the major, major problem with this is that I think the, the script just needed to be much sharper and smarter and the humor needed to be funnier in a nutshell. Okay. Sam Rockwell previous yeah. guest, not on this show, but I interviewed him before. Brilliant actor. Saoirse Ronan, 
water is wet, she's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, but they're just not given the right goods this time. No, they're, they're both very good. Um, Sir Sharon, and she gets to use her real accent, which makes a nice change. Yeah. Um, Sam Rockwell doesn't. He's doing British. Um, and to be How's honest, that? I've heard worse. Okay. Um, he is good. All right, in- governor. <laughs> Not quite that bad. Um, <laughs> it's more subdued than that. Uh, he, he, he's 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 very good in the role that's of this cynical world weary detective, and he is he's definitely operating in a much more restrained register than I'm used to seeing him in. Mm. Um, and as I say, it's it's great to see. Uh, Sarah Sharon and able to, to relax and not have to hide her Irishness in a role for a change. Um, the rest of the cast, it's, it's a big cast, um, but not much is made uh, with that ensemble, if you like. Uh, Ruth Wilson is in it. Her role is really small. Okay. Um, David Oyelowo, is, his role is unfortunately too large. He's really, really belting it out to the back row and he's overreact, overacting to the you know, he seems to think he's doing a stage play instead of a movie. And what's, is he one of the actors in he plays, the... I think he plays the writer of the, he's, 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 he, I think he's writing the script to the movie. Okay. And he is, just, he's very, very big. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Obviously no, I, I didn't mean, is he one of the actors in the movie? I'm aware of who he is. He just is to acting. clarify. I believe, I believe he was acting. Yes. <laughs> and Adrian Brody as the tentative director. I mean, he's doing Adrian Brody. Um, okay. He's 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 in it more. He gets killed in the first couple of minutes, but he's in it a lot. Um, there are a lot of flashbacks, which again okay. is kind of a cop out because you should be able to find a better way of of relaying that information instead of doing flashbacks all the time. And Adrian yeah, Brody, you, it's right when you say like I like him, I enjoy his presence, but he does do not, Adrian Brody a lot. He's not versatile. Yeah. Yeah, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's doing Agent Brody. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's good, but it's it's not great. Okay, so what are you going to say stars-wise for See How They Run? I'm going to give it a three and a half. It's a very okay. cozy watch, and it's undemanding, but unfortunately, it's it's a bit bland. Okay, three and a half sounds okay. Three and a half sounds okay. I do like a good whodunit. Unfortunately, this isn't a good whodunit. Yeah, but but it's it's three and a half of a who does. No, yeah, so, yeah. You know, so it's okay. Let's take a clip of see how they run. That's that then, sir. It's as good as a confession. It's not jump to conclusions, constable. No, sir. The least we can do is talk to this other party. Yes, sir. Cocker Norris, sir. Tell me, did you write everything down in that little notebook? Only if it's important, sir. How do you know if it's important? Well. I'll just sort of put everything in as we go and then down the line when we know what's important we'll know that it's already in the notebook. So you do write everything down? Yeah, everything. That's what I thought. That was a clip of See How They Run which is in cinemas this Friday the 9th of September starring Sam Rockwell and our own Sir Ronan and Mark Royal gave it three and a half. He was a bit disappointed because he was expecting more from the trailer but three and a half isn't bad in the Mark Royal world I dare suggest. Now we move to a very different beast a movie mm. I have seen Crimes of the Future is David Cronenberg's first movie in a long time. If I'm not mistaken Mark David Cronenberg had a movie called Crimes of the Future back in the 70s it was a short um okay. and i'm not sure how many people would have seen it <laughs> no no absolutely now it goes without saying that david cronenberg is an acquired taste yeah uh, his movies can be very visceral mm. yeah you know i was going to say sexually explicit but maybe like certainly plenty of sex what- but some Sometimes quite uh, graphic, like mutilations. And- yeah, it, it depends on what kind of sex you're talking about. It's, I, it's, it wouldn't be in my my purview anyway. He, um, he's a, he's a unique filmmaker. He is, um, and I think that's probably a, a, a nice way of saying it. Um, yeah, this one is described rather pretentiously as from the the mind of David Cronenberg. Um, it and can is, we just clarify? We're going to get to this now, but like, I have enjoyed certain Cronenberg movies. Yeah, me years, too. Like Crash, uh, Videodrome, which I saw like a long time, mm. like thirty years ago. But yeah. I, when I say he's an acquired taste, I have acquired that taste certainly well, he, a few times over the years. 
Yeah, at the risk of, of sounding like a hipster, I preferred his early ones. <laughs> um, I think I know no, what you mean, though. It's this is his first movie in eight years, mm. and it's 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 he's back to the the body horror of existence. And I think do you know what? At this stage, I'm 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 over it. <laughs> yeah, body horror was actually the phrase I was I was trying to say when I was talking yeah, about sex yeah. earlier. But yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, this one it takes place uh, in sometime in the future where human evolution has done away with pain, uh, which sounds great but is in fact not so great and Leah Sidhu and Viggo Mortensen play performance artists and for some reason Mortensen has a condition that causes him to constantly grow new extra internal organs and their act involves Sidhu performing surgery in public on Mortensen and removing these organs for entertainment and if you've listened to all of that and you're thinking I can really get down with that then you have more patience than I do. <laughs> and there seems to be sometimes these organs when being removed, more Mortensen seems to get something akin to sexual pleasure from it. Uh, possibly, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's from the get go. It's it's important to say that this is not for the squeamish. Um, no, no, it's very it, graphic. And yeah, and, it starts off with a mother killing her son by smothering him with a pillow, and it kind of goes downhill from there. Um, it premiered in Cannes back in May. And there was a, more than a couple of walkouts and it also got a standing ovation. Mm-hmm. And granted that can audiences are very notoriously hard to please, but I mean, walkouts and a standing ovation, it should tell you that this is not going to be for everyone. Yeah, and no, absolutely. I would have been in the walkout camp. I'm, I'm not squeamish at all, but I did find this very, very hard going. And I struggled to get through it, if I'm going to be totally honest. Okay, so you would have walked out if you were... If I, had, I haven't walked out of a movie since Teen Wolf in, I can't remember when that was, but no, I would never, I would never walk out of a movie that I was, I was reviewing. I don't think that's. No, no, a, I know that. No, no, no. But I mean, you really didn't like this then. No, I didn't. I think I thought it was awful. It's, it's the whole thing. It's either really, really stomach churning or really, really stupid. And sometimes it's both at the same time. And I couldn't help thinking how, how, how ridiculous the whole thing was. I've seen it described as a black comedy and I don't know where the hell that notion came from because I can't see that on any level. Yeah. I, I mostly agree with you. I, I, I mean, firstly, the thing that happens with the kid at the start is very hard to take. I was slightly intrigued by where it was going and what sense it was all making. And I suppose the concept of this future world where people have different organs and he's a performance artist where the organs are taken out of him. I mean, you know, it's not Blackbird. It's certainly imaginative. It's going somewhere else. Yeah, but as it went... It as, before, you know? Well, <laughs> yeah. Who hasn't seen one of those uh, extra organ, you know, performance artist movies? Exactly, no, yeah. but what I found is as it went on and on, I kept thinking, you know what? There's a very thin line, but between this just being nonsense and a work of genius. And I think it's veering more towards nonsense. Now, I've been quite surprised by some of the reviews and maybe a point to that thing in Cam because some people are raving about it. But I I mean, I wouldn't have walked out. I would have stayed with it to see where it went. I I mean, I didn't walk out. I stayed with it to see where it went. But it it, it certainly, I don't think the juice was worth the squeeze. No. Um, that's yeah, I, I I'm in agreement there. Um and I'd say a lot of the cast, um, like Kirsten Stewart and Lisa do, they probably signed up for the privilege of yes. being in a Cronenberg. But yeah. I would imagine that a few of them were struggling to understand what they were doing and what the hell was going on because I know yeah. I did. Yeah. And you have to you have to ask yourself what is the point that Cronenberg is trying to make and does he even have one? Um because I like at a certain point I think he's just being self indulgent and as you said, that the, the, the narrative is incredibly weak and mm-hmm. there's really no flow to the story at all. And one bit of it just bumps really unpleasantly and awkwardly into the next bit without any rhyme or reason. And at a certain point I asked myself, is this, is this, is this linear? Is this, is yeah, this jumping I know what around a bit? But it's not, it's just that it doesn't really make a lick of sense. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And, and I'm glad to hear you say that because at times I was like, am I just not following this? So yeah. I'm glad to hear, because Viggo Mortensen at times, 
you know, he was showing up in a dark hood like he was a ninja oh, man, on the that, streets. That hurt. I think, yeah. He, <laughs> but for no discernible reason. Like, I didn't quite get he, any of that. He was, Yeah, he's running around like a goblin in this black cloak and a hood. And I would imagine that he was probably hoping to, you know, remind us of death in Ingmar Bergman's The Seventh Seal. Oh, yeah. But yeah, but, yeah, but he actually looks more <laughs> like Marty Feldman in Young Frankenstein. And I, I have to say... Uh, I found him. I really struggled with with him. His, his uh, watching him like cough and gag and dry wretch his way through an hour and forty minutes. Mm. It was really, really, really unpleasant. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're left with the feeling, you know, all those things that you know were hard to understand, like why the constant retching and coughing and the blackboard yeah. and all that. This is something you're missing out on, and and. Then it turns out you weren't really. It's just a bad script, or certainly that's my interpretation of it. Or if it is a work of genius, you need to make a work of genius more understandable to some of us, I think, you know? I don't know. Sometimes I'm all right with feeling thick. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah I mean? okay. <laughs> if this is a work of, of genius, I'm, you know what? I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad I'm not a genius. Yeah. yeah. I hear you. And also, uh, Kirsten Stewart, like, you know, I I, like, I, I I didn't know what it was about her role, no. to be honest. You know, no, uh, I sure really she, didn't. She probably didn't either. Yeah, and I think you might be right. There is a certain, you know, Cronenberg corals. Of course, I'm going to do it. You know. Yeah, I know. Not I that mean, I know anything of their motivations, but you, you you are left with that feeling, kind of. Yeah, if you're a diehard fan, you are going to probably love this. But you know, don't don't call me. <laughs> yeah. So you think it's just for the. Cronbergians amongst us. I don't know who it's yeah. for, but yeah. it, it certainly wasn't for me. Well, listen, we might go see Blackbird again next week, just to, <laughs> just to re up. So, what are you going to say, stars wise, for Crimes of the Future? Uh, I'm going to give it one and a half. Okay, okay. I'm going to give it two, just because I thought there were some intriguing ideas in it, but they they really came to nothing. So that's one and a half from mm. Mark and two for me from Crimes of the Future, which is on release from this Friday, the 9th of September. But Mark and I are both distinctly saying best avoided, we think. Absolutely. But Mark, even on a bad day, I would never avoid you. So thank you very much. All right. Thanks, John. I'll talk to you next week. Now, before the break, we were talking about the week's new releases. There is another new release, a very good one called Bodies, 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 right? Which is the name of a game. Some of you might know it as Murderer. It's a game where people kind of pretend to kill each other. You, you probably know what I'm talking about. Anyway, this movie, it's a black comedy horror about a group of recent college graduates who meet at this very mannery house, a very expensive kind of house of their parents, as they're waiting for a hurricane to come. And the, I suppose, main protagonist, Sophie, is newly sober and she arrives into this group of friends with her new girlfriend. Uh, one of her friends, is play David, is played by Pete Davidson, as in Kim Kardashian's former boyfriend. He's a very good actor, though. And there's a whole gaggle of friends there. There's... David's girlfriend, Emma, uh, the kind of parent of the group, Jordan. Alice is there as well. And they kind of have these petty, toxic jealousies amongst each other. And it's very much a movie about, I suppose, Gen Z, and they're on their phones a lot. And as I say, friendships are very toxic. But a murder, for real, actually takes place in this big house with a hurricane raging outside. And more stuff goes down. And it's a really entertaining dark movie where it kicks off with a corpse on the patio. And that brings along a kind of apocalypse of the ego almost among these friends. And uh, they really start to go after each other emotionally and possibly more. So uh, a really good, unusual Gen Z horror comedy. Now, it's directed by a lady called Helena Wren. She's huge in Holland. Uh, she's an actress. She's a director. This is her first English language feature. Her first movie in Dutch was a really intriguing movie called Instinct about a prison therapist who becomes obsessed with her charismatic patient who's a violent serial rapist. She recently acted in a show all about the red light district in Amsterdam. She's done theatre all her life. She's big news in Holland and she's going to be big news the world over because Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was released in the States a little while ago and it's going gangbusters. Helena Wren 
is a seriously cool movie person. Uh, and I had a chat with her about Bodies, Bodies and a good bit more beside. Take a listen to this. My children play a game called Murderer here in Ireland, uh, in Dublin. And it seems that that game has been around for a long time in various guys. It's called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies in, in this movie. Was that a game you played as a kid? No, I actually played it as an adult. I, I <laughs> that was what originally drew me when they sent they sent me the the script that they had. That, that's very different from the script that it mm-hmm. became. But what what attracted me uh, to the project was basically the game that we call murder or werewolf or mafia. And I I had a very tight friend group. Now everybody has children, so you know how it goes. But I do. Uh, we used to play it a lot, and it was all about psychological warfare and. That was what I thought would be a great um, vehicle to, you know, talk about group pressure and, mm-hmm. and, and group behavior and, and, and you know, is the killer inside of us or outside of us. So I thought the game would be a wonderful structure for the film to then become what it is. Sure. Yeah. And it works brilliantly that way. And, you know, your protagonists, I, I was thinking about this, they're... Gen Z, I guess. And from the outside looking in, you could possibly think "Mm, you're not thrilled with the way Generation Z behaves. They're self-obsessed. They're obsessed with their phones. They're obsessed with how they look. But maybe maybe there's more to them than that. Or what's your take on that? Well, I think we are all, in a way, children of this time because we all live in this time where technology is just overwhelming us. And course me i'm 46 so i i you know i didn't grow up with the smartphone and we so, so am to, i incidentally so. <laughs> there you go so we still had to like look up in a big encyclopedia something and of course now it's all you know right in the palm of their hand so i do think that i'm just interested in does technology influence how people behave and and and, and who they become uh, but i think the film is not so much me really making fun of that generation much, much more me making fun of all of us in mm-hmm. this time, you know, the yeah. whole concept of death by GPS where, you know, we don't even know how to get out of a small forest because we so lean on our Google Maps. Yeah. So I think we're all victims of that. So I, I also really um, created the film as a cautionary tale for my own phone addiction. But of course, there are specific vocabulary for this generation and how they handle mental disease and how they handle, you know, feminism and 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 all of these things. And I think that using them as my collaborators, these actors, and really explaining to them that it was not my goal at all to undermine them in any way, but to look at, you know, to just create a fable or a satire. And a satire, mm. of course, always comments on, uh, you know, human behavior in a fun way. So yeah. I think that is, and and weirdly in the US, um, the film has become quite a surprise hit, you know, and and, and young people really love it and they relate to it. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for that because I was worried that they would felt feel that I would ridicule them. And I, it's really not my intention. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, 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 there's the way the movie starts. I really like, cause it's this very passionate kiss, but and I, it's not a spoiler cause it's the first scene, but it's, no, between, not at all. it's between two girls and you know, we're both the same age. So, you know, 20 yeah. years ago, a woman on woman kiss might've been remarkable. Now it isn't. It's, you know, no. we see that stuff all the time, but yet at the same time, it's a bold choice to start, the movie with a passionate kiss. I thought it was a very yeah. good way in. Did you have that in your head all along? This is how we're going to crack into this film. Yeah, for me, it was very important to open with, first of all, I always love movies myself that open with a strong image. And mm. in a way, I feel that it, the first, you know, scene should sort of like, until it's a metaphor of what the film is about. And to me, the film is about, you know, are we civilized or are we beasts? Mm. And so I think sexuality and violence is a big part of our primal side. And I just mm. wanted to start with our, you know, beautiful animalistic sides. Yes. Like, because sexuality and sensuality. But I do want to really tell the audience we're going on this journey. But to me, it's all about, you know, the birds and the bees and the <laughs> nature. You can see them literally standing in this yeah. sort of paradise and you hear yeah. all the sounds of the paradise. But of course, paradise can also be overcome by a storm, you know, and mm. rain. And and so I just feel that, you know, the old good old theme of, of of human against machines if you will and yeah and so that's why i wanted to start that way and and uh, weirdly enough especially in america where it has become a little bit of fear around sexuality you know especially after me too uh, you could also sometimes feel that the reaction to that opening is a little bit like oh you know people mm-hmm. are are still a little bit scared or startled by it and so i think even more reason for me to do it you know yeah. i hope and and you know you can really see that it's not like uh, a, a distant glamour image it's very real and sensuous and and 
And, and I, she, yeah, I, I love it. She actually has saliva dripping from her yeah, mouth. Yeah, exactly. Afterwards. It's very yeah. raw. Yeah, yeah very vulnerable it is. And how it really is. Wonderfully raw. Tell me this: was it, it, it? It's very funny and it's very intense, which which I like about it because you're laughing, you're getting scared, but it's intense. You shot this all on location, right? Yeah. In in a house. Was it an intense filming experience? Oh, very, very. Yeah. It was because it's only my second film, uh, but it was in very, very intense because we we didn't have a big budget in in America where you have the unions and it's very different rules. So not like in Europe where every euro actually goes into the film here. It's very different. You have to really, you know, there's different set of systems and rules. And so I had a, a quite a hard time in the beginning navigating all of that, but I never had a hard time with the actors and knowing, and, you know, with my cameraman, who's also from Holland, that we knew like artistically exactly what we wanted to do because we prepared as if we were going to war. Like we really prepared <laughs> for months because okay. we knew we were going to be in an environment that is not ours. And of course, it was also a luxury to only have one location. I'm really happy that the simplicity of that, you know, was mm. great. But at, at the same time, it's a big challenge because you have to make it interesting and dynamic and mm. within one location. Yeah. But yeah, there, there, there had been, you know, we, we really, we had wind machines, rain machines. It, it was a lot of blood, you know, special yeah. effects, stunts. It was not like my first film instinct is just one room, two people, you know, very much just actors. <laughs> You know, and not a lot of actors here. The group scenes were also, I was so nervous. Can I, you know, take care of all of those young actors at the same time, you know, and, and with the blocking and the choreography of it all. But I think preparing like insanely thoroughly is is such a huge advantage because then yeah. you can actually let go in the moment and really listen to everybody's ideas and really be in the moment with each other. I get given out a lot on this show for giving spoilers, so I really don't want to, but I, I love the ending of it. So let's talk about in generalities, right? But yes. The, what's great about the ending is that how can I put this? There's a lot of interpretations of it. You might be making a point about, you know, the demons that lie inside and outside. Let, let's let's put it like that. Was the ending? Did you did you have that nearly before you began? Did you know John Irving, the writer, always begins his novels knowing what the last line is going to be? Yes. Apparently. So I'm just wondering, did you have that? Me, I know you didn't write slide. the script, but but did you have in your head, this is where this is going to end. This is how we want to do it before the movie began. I presume I you did. the end is really the key into the movie mm. for me personally, because the end makes it about human behavior and not so much about the monster under the bed. Yes. And also without spoiling anything, but, you know, I think later when people listen to it in hindsight, they, they know that what it is is so, it's very hedonistic, it's nihilistic, mm. but it's also common on our times and maybe mm. even a little bit on competitive uh, toxic behavior amongst yes. men. So, it's, yes. but it's all in a playful way. But the ending definitely to me is a key into the film. Uh, I come from theater, you know, it's all I yes. know. I play Chekhov all my life. That's all I know, uh, O'Neill, Ibsen. So I think uh, a lot of these Chekhov plays, especially the three sisters where they want to go to Moscow. And then the whole play is about how the three sisters are going to go to Moscow. And then at the, the very last line of the play is like, oh, I guess we're just staying home. <laughs> <laughs> and I love, I, uh, to me, I, I kind of like that kind of dark humor and absurdity. And I find life uh, personally pretty hard and absurd and, and not very easy. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, if, if you get the opportunity to create a story or a painting or a poem or anything creative, I, I like to sort of try and again, in a very playful, entertaining way, but to comment on that side of, of it. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it's, it's going so well in America and hopefully it will do the same here. It's released in Ireland this Friday. Tell me this, you know, you, you're talking about Chekhov and you're talking about it in the theatre and all. Here you are, your first English language directorial debut. I know it's your second movie. The Hollywood machine and the success you're having now, are you... I don't know. I, are you prepared for all that? <laughs> I don't think I am um, because us as, you know, people from not from there, for all of us, I think it's a, also a weird, you know, dynamic over there. The wonderful thing about them is that they do seem to really dream big. You know, and yes. they never say to me, I, my ideas are pretty dark. And, you know, you, as you will see when you watch this film, my humor is dark. Uh, my and and I, my ideas can be a little taboo, you know, and they never shy away from that. Like they always say, go further, make it mm. more sexy, make yeah. it more. And that's sometimes in my own country. I live in the Netherlands, uh, yeah. part, part time. Uh, can be much more like you know, a character needs to be likable. Or so mm. in that way, I found my freedom in in America. But of course, I I get a little confused by you know the offers and 
and the and the and the people and the representative. It's there's so much there. I, yeah. I find it hard to navigate them. Are, right? are there are there a lot of offers coming in since Buddies Buddies? Yeah, Buddies? I think yeah, a lot. And I think as a female director right now, of course, which is a great wave that I'm just riding. Yeah, you do, yeah, yeah. You do have a little bit of an advantage, and and uh, yeah, because it is quite you know commercial success. Sure. Uh, I feel I, I think yeah, they do find their way to me. But I love working with A24. They are an exceptionally wonderful studio and and they seem to found a niche where you can actually make darker films and still uh, attract people to the theater so yeah. i really want to work with them again and i feel at home with them I, I watch a lot of movies for this gig and i'm not saying it because they've organized this but a24 make brilliant brilliant movies yeah does you haven't been offered a marvel movie yet have you because that's when you know you've really arrived i know i know no i mean you know <laughs> what can i say you can't comment think, yeah there's just yeah, yeah i'm talking to people and you know, I, I do enjoy that. And I, I, of course, I'm just very, very, you know, uh, relieved more than anything that people are actually finding their way to the cinema. That's basically it. You know, yeah. as much as I know, you see a lot of films. Sometimes you succeed, sometimes you fail. And it's often also just a lot of coincidences. You know, yeah. you can put all your work in it and your intention is great. And you can have the best cast in the world and the most beautiful script. And it can still not, you know, it can still fail sometimes. Well, so I also really try to ground myself and just be like, just humble and 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 very just grateful and then we'll see from here but my main intention would be to i i i love sexual thrillers so i i want to go back to that genre and paul verhoeven being a big dutch director and yeah. i work with him on black book as an actress and i just want to go be the you know sort of female version of that maybe i don't know that's my dream so right. i will see where you know if I'm Sa able to. sounds good to me it's funny you talk about your sense of humor and you talk about sexual thrillers i read this really funny thing where you were in a movie zuzo and a friend of yours yeah. said recently they saw it in a sex shop yes <laughs> So you really don't know where a movie's going to end up. No, and that movie was nominated for Best Foreign Film for the Academy <laughs> Awards. Can you imagine? So you never know where you're... Exactly. So you should always be just humble and yeah. laugh a little bit in life because, you know, it's all up in the air. And it's, it's all water under the bridge. Last thing. I, I thought it was very clever. Well, maybe not. You tell me. But you have a production company and a whole collective of, of, of female writers and directors, and it's called Man Up. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I, but but you're presumably this is to try and get more women into the business of movies yes. and TV, is it? Yes, that's what okay. we want to do, and just be inclusive. And you know, me and Carice van Hout, who's uh, maybe people know her as an actress of, um, she's the Red Priestess in Game of Thrones. She's my best yes. friend. That's our company, and she stars in my first film, Instinct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we. I think basically our goal is to to try to to be inclusive and tell inclusive stories and. Red Light is a TV show that's going to air on Channel 4 from the 9th of September that we created together. It's about sex work. We we both yeah. had to star in it to get it financed still. So that's like my goodbye um, as an actress to, you know. But um, yeah, so that's our dream and our goal. And this was my first film on my own. It was a, not, not, not part of the Man Up uh, yeah. enterprise, but I definitely were, you know, we're creating stories in Europe and I, I would love to continue doing that. Yeah. Great. And so is, are you finished acting now? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I'm retired. I, I okay. really loved it. But I, it's so <laughs> you're only 46. <laughs> I know. I know. And I wish I could say I retired financially, but that's yeah. really the opposite. But no, I, I loved it. But it's, you know, I, I work with Ivo van Hove, who is a great director, but you sort of give your life to him. And we're, we tour, tour the world constantly. It's just a very heavy profession where every night at eight o'clock the curtain opens and you have to be there with mm. your all your emotions all your physicality and i think you could see it all back in the film as far as the acting style but to do that every night on stage is just a little bit it was too much i think i i went into it too far and i'm very happy now to sit with a north face jacket with my hair like that and you know and, and tell other people what to do <laughs> Well, those nice people at A24 would like me to go now, so I better go. Bodies, bodies, bodies. It's hard to say. Is a great movie, and it's lovely to talk to you and continued success. Thank you so much. It was such a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate your Thank time, you. and it was really lovely to talk Thank to you. Thank you very much. I don't know what you're talking about. You hate listen to her podcast. Wait. What? And you made a swear on our lives not to tell anyone. Jordan, is that true? I like your podcast, Alice. What is your podcast about? Hanging out with your smartest and funniest friend. Did you just groan? No. When I said hanging out with your smartest and funniest friend, 
Like that. Like that. You did it again. No, I didn't. First of all, a podcast takes a lot of work, okay? You have to organize the guests. You have to do a Google calendar. And then you build a following. It takes a lot of time. And I've been working on it for a while. That was a clip there from Bodies, 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 which is now on general release. And before that, you heard me talking to the very cool Helena Wren, a woman in demand. And Bodies, 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 which we didn't review at Mark Ryle, but I'm sure he would have given it four stars because it's a ripping black horror comedy that I really enjoyed. You're going to be hearing a lot more from Helena Wren. I lied to her inadvertently. I'm actually 47 but I only recently turned 47, so in my head I'm still 46. I'm, you know, staving off the years as best I can. Another cool woman up after the break, musician Luanne Parle on her favourite movie. Now you're welcome back to Screen Time, News Talks, TV and Movie Show. It's that stage of the week where we talk to someone well-known about their favourite movie. I'm delighted to be joined by musician Luan Parl, who is here to chat about her favourite movie, a movie that has never been chosen before in the three and a half years we've been doing this show, and it is a great movie. Over to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm delighted to hear that it's never been chosen before. Um, So I have chosen The Shining, Stephen King's The Shining, directed by Stanley Kubrick and inspired by the true hauntings at Colorado Stanley Hotel. The true hauntings? hauntings. Does this mean you're a believer in ghosts? Oh my God, am I what? (laughs) This is why it's my favourite movie. (laughs) So apparently uh, Stephen King was staying at the hotel with his wife and um, while he was checking out, everybody else was, um, sorry, while he was checking in, everybody else was checking out and um, and this is what then inspired the book Ju- the book have you read mm-hmm. the book oh I have yeah just remind people what happens in the movie so in the movie um, Jack Nicholson uh, is a, an aspiring writer and a recovering alcoholic and he takes the job as an off-season caretaker at the Overlook Hotel yeah and uh, so he's looking for, you know, isolation, solitude, where he can write his book. Um, he brings up his family, his wife, Wendy, and his son, uh, Danny. And Danny has psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so he can see into the hotel's gruesome past, um, where the previous caretaker, Grady, had murdered his family. Um, so hence the, the Grady twins. They, they, they're uh, an iconic part of the movie. Yes, they pop indeed. up throughout. Um, it's when the family then are snow bound that Jack Nicholson's character then starts to deteriorate. His mental health and sanity starts mm. to deteriorate due to the supernatural forces that inhabit the hotel. Yes. Brilliantly <laughs> described. Thank you very it much. Sounds like you're writing for a newspaper. <laughs> it is a fantastic movie, but why yeah. is it your favourite movie? So my favourite genre of music is psychological horror. You of know. music or movies? Did I say music? You said music. Oh my you God. can't take any musician <laughs> out of the woman. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I do like to write songs about ghosts as well. I do have a song called Ghosts. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot that. Uh, so yeah, my favourite movies, type of movies is um, psychological horror. So anything like supernatural, ghostly. Um, I love a good scare. Okay. Um, I don't like gore. So yeah, yeah. it's just, you know, the edgier seat, heart thumping, um, I love to just terrify myself. And for me, The Shining has all of that. Yeah. Um, it's quite different from the book. Um, yeah. For anybody who's read the book, there's, I kind of think of it like two different families almost. Yeah. Um, because the ending is different. I, and I like both. Yeah. I think both are, you know, a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I think kind of almost it's like two different, two different families, you know, two different stories. Um and so this is kind of my favourite time of year now. So the evenings are getting a little bit shorter yeah. and you can put the fire on, you can get cosy and watch all these movies. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween is coming. And like already now I'm starting to prepare for Halloween because okay. like, it is my favourite time of year. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ghost run deep with this lady. Oh my gosh, yeah. The thing that I love about the movie more than anything, I, I completely agree to it. Brilliant movie mm-hmm. as, as a psychological horror. It's fantastic. And scary genuine yeah. jump scares in yeah. it and so creepy mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson as he descends into for want of a better phrase madness is yeah. absolutely brilliant in it's it, incredible it? yeah and I couldn't imagine anybody else playing that role yeah. it's it's told so well yeah. you know and you're there you, you can see how it's all happening and how the hotel is taken over and uh, all the supernatural um, forces are you know playing with his mind yeah. and, and getting in there when I first had a mobile phone for about three months, I had the ringtone, here's Johnny. That's, oh, very, that's very embarrassing, isn't it? <laughs> Not at all. I would probably have that too. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you saw it? 
I do actually. I was very young because it was uh, it came out just before I was born, so it was nineteen eighty. Um, so I was I, I wasn't born then, um, <laughs> but I was terrified. Yeah, absolutely terrified. Um, and what age were you when you first saw it? Do you think? Oh, I think I was a ten or eleven, okay. maybe. Probably so too young to watch. I probably yeah, was but. too young um, and terrified. But then when I saw it again when I was a little bit older, I was like in my early teens, still terrified. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I am one of those people that literally, like, after I ter- terrify myself, I will then um, be terrified, like, to to go up the stairs by myself or to go to the loo by myself, <laughs> go to bed. By my- I'm looking under the bed and looking at the wardrobes. <laughs> so I did a lot of that when I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> well, her face. Favourite movie is The Shining and it is a remarkably good watch if you've never seen it and maybe younger listeners haven't. Tell me this, we often ask people in this slot, particularly people who are musicians or comedians or whatever, weather forecasters, have you ever acted? Uh, no. Okay. No, I Simple never have. Never um, had a desire to tread the boards? No, I never really did to be honest. I don't know if I'd be very good. <laughs> <laughs> How modest. Um, I, I I suppose I touched on it a little bit, you know, when you're uh, shooting videos yes. and you're playing like a little character in the in the videos. But like, obviously, I don't have any lines. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just uh, well. Uh, th- th- those uh, videos you did, they were peppered with all sorts of pl- people, including news talk producers, if I'm not that's mistaken, right, yes. over the years. Yes, that's yes. right. Our own Claire Darmody uh, was in my video for Roll the Dice, so you can check her out there on YouTube. <laughs> Very good. Listen, you mentioned just. I want to ask you how you've been doing and uh, what lockdown was like for you because mm-hmm. it's a rough time for musicians but you mentioned uh, you know you were young when you saw this you were very young when you got into the music business was yeah. looking back n- not that you're still not young but <laughs> you were very young you were a teenager yeah. was that a blessing or a curse? Um, do you know I think looking back now I am super appreciative of mm. of the opportunity. Um, I don't think mentally I was I yeah. was ready because I was twelve when I signed my first record yeah. deal. I hadn't a clue what I was doing. I know. Um, and I remember my poor dad thinking back now he was so worried because you know he was my guardian, so he yeah. so he had to sign for me. Um, and I didn't I didn't understand that you know responsibility that he sure, had. Sure. Yeah. Um, I learned a lot from a very young age. It was great experience to get into the studio and sure. to record. Um, but I also learned uh, about the the business side of things yeah. very quickly. And uh, and that maybe wasn't <laughs> such a good thing. Um, I, I'm glad like that I kind of came through it all and came out the other side of yes, it. And, and, I, and have a career that you've managed to survive in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but looking back, I, I know that um, there, it, that has been difficult as well. Like, you know, there's definitely been a lot of challenges with that. But I'm also grateful for the opportunities because... Yeah. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be have the have the opportunities that I have now had that not have happened. I remember hearing Billy Joel saying, "I was twenty one. I didn't have yeah. a clue when I was a musician." Right <laughs> now, so twelve is a very young age. Yeah. But as you weathered the storm, and here you are now. So listen, uh, lockdown. Mm-hmm. How was it for you? Because uh, it musicians had varying fortunes, you know. Yeah. I had just put out an album a month before lockdown, so it was awful timing. Um, and like everybody, I was in a state of denial at first. Yes. Um, so I was very hesitant. It'll be over in six weeks. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I was so hesitant to cancel shows or postpone anything. Um, but then, I suppose, when I got my head around that and I did have to start postponing shows and canceling shows, I got really busy, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a person that has to keep busy anyway and I have to have structure to my day. So I got busy with a lot of different things. Um but one thing that was important for me was to record. And at that point, I didn't have uh, a, a somewhere that I could record at home. So uh, not being able to get into the studio was a big thing. Um, so I, I was writing all the time, did a lot of co-writes. It was actually great for Zoom. You could just lift up the laptop and, you know, you, you're writing with somebody in Los Angeles. So that was great. That's what I did. I set up the little home studio. Uh, you know, I say home studio. It's very mobile, you know. <laughs> It can be moved anywhere, but uh, some some good mics and equipment. And uh, so, yeah, so lots of that, lots of recording, uh, lots, lots of writing. Um, and so what's next then? Is there a new album and tours uh, coming? Yeah, definitely coming. Um I uh, I'm writing with, I'm, I'm doing a solo album. Uh, see, I never, I, I never felt that the, the album that... Uh, I know. You know, got its due. <laughs> yeah, but then it also kind of feels a little bit old to me now because it was recorded so long ago. So, 
Um, I suppose I'll incorporate it some way into yeah. into the next tours. Um, but I'm writing a new album. I'm writing a collaborative album uh, with my partner Clive Barnes. Um, I'm also writing um, some songs with uh, Maltui from the Riptide Movement. Mm-hmm. We're looking at doing an EP. So lots and lots of writing. Um, Very good. And I should mention, your partner is your partner in life as well as your partner in music. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Not well, many people know that. So. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> there you are. I, it's an exclusive of sorts. <laughs> yeah. And listen, before I let you go, and people can find out all about you on luanparl.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's links to your Spotify and all those things up yeah, there. Everything's up there. The final thing I want to ask you about, you were very involved in getting songwriting into the education system. Yeah. Just tell us quickly about that. So I started doing songwriting workshops, bringing songwriting workshops to schools in around 2008. Uh, it's something that I love to do. Uh, and I think going back to myself starting so young, I think it's so yeah. important um, to educate our, our young up and coming um, songwriters and musicians uh, on a, and, and touch on a little bit about the music industry sure, as well, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, uh, so through IMRO and the Department of Education, um, I've been, uh, yeah, that's been my, my big baby to, to make songwriting part of the Junior Search curriculum. And it is now. So it was made a, a pilot uh, project there a few years ago, to, just actually before COVID. <laughs> yeah. So um, wonderful. Yeah. Well, well done. You've done the state some service, as, oh, as well, Shakespeare said, or I, whatever. I, I love it. And, you know, I think if, if, if there's somebody in a classroom that maybe doesn't know if they're like, if they're into uh, music or if they're into songwriting yeah. and then suddenly realise they have this gift and this flair for it, because, you know, you can be a writer, a songwriter, but you don't necessarily have to be a musician. You don't yeah. necessarily have to it's play. A good point. Yeah. So I think if that sparks something, you Absolutely. know, I just, that's that's why I do it. Well, well it. done. Her favourite movie is The Ghostly, yeah. which I think is important because her music does have a ghostly quality, it as does. she's amended to herself, is <laughs> The Shining. You can find out more on luannparl.ie. I, I have a terrible memory. <laughs> luannparl.com. Thank you very much for coming in. Thanks, John. Thank you. You think maybe he should be taken to a doctor? <laughs> When do you think maybe he should be taken to a doctor? As soon as possible. As soon as possible. Jack. You believe his health might be at stake? Yes. You are concerned about him. Yes. And are you concerned about me? Of course you are. Have you ever thought about my responsibilities? Oh, Jack, what are you talking about? Have you ever had a single moment's thought about my responsibilities? Have you ever thought for a single solitary moment about my responsibilities to my employers? Has it ever occurred to you that I have agreed to look after the Overlook Hotel until May the 1st? The very creepy Jack Nicholson there opposite the very freaked out Shelley Duval in the masterpiece that is The Shining, which is the favourite movie of Luan Pearl. And my thanks to her. That is it for this week. Just remind you, this show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5pm on Newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. And it's on the radio every Saturday at 6pm right here on Newstalk. You can get in touch with me at any stage during the week. John underscore Fardy is my Twitter handle. Or you can email me, screentime at Newstalk.com. Next week on the show, I will be talking to Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson, a.k.a. Dante and Randall from Clerks. Yes, the cult movie Clerks is back, the Kevin Smith pen movie Clerks, with the third and possibly final part, Clerks 3. So that's all next week. In the meantime, enjoy the remainder of your weekend. Have a safe week ahead and take care.